Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'd like, thank you all for tuning in to the show. Got my crew with me, Darnell and Tyler. I'm Trey, and we're coming your way with the 68th edition of the Don't Kill the Messengers podcast. First thing we're about to get into is some UFC. Uh, particularly, we're about to start off with uh, my man Darnell's guy, GSP. Uh, we just had news of Bisping having an injury, and plus news of there being an interim title fight. Uh, I believe it's at UFC 2... Yeah, believe it's at, yeah, actually, yeah, our next upcoming pay-per-view at UFC 212, uh, with Yoel Romero, um, fighting for the interim title. Uh, does this make you think that GSP is gonna actually ha- have to fight Woodley next, or how do you think this will play off, Darna? I know we touched on it a little bit last week. Well, yeah, I mean, it looks like he might have to look to one of the other champions if he wants a, a title fight and a big name fight. So I mean, he's, he's looking at, at, at Woodley probably as his top choice. Uh, I think that's probably the best fight out there for him. Uh, it's probably like, like we talked about last week, that's, that's a tougher fight for him, but, yeah. uh, it's, that's probably the, the most exciting one that's sitting there. Yeah. Uh, especially since, uh, since McGregor is pretty much not on the table right now. Yeah. Now, with just how this is uh, set up, um, you still think uh, with this happening, you still think he's going to try to aim, still aim for that um, fight to happen in, what was it, October, November? And how do you think? Probably so. I mean, yeah. That's, yeah, I, was about yeah, I mean, that's just. Oh, go ahead. Man. Go ahead. No, well, I'm saying, I think that's probably. That's, that's probably what's going to work best for him, just since, uh, I mean, GSP, he, he, he's one that will stick to that. He, he only fights when he feels his body is going to be ready. He's kind of always been that, that way. He, he's a definite treat your body as a temple type person. So, uh, if that, if that's when he felt he was going to be peaking the fight, that's when he was going to fight. So. I assume he would still shoot for somewhere around that late fall and early winter time period. Yeah. Now, how do you think, uh, if this will, does happen, which, you know, I'm pretty sure it will, how do you think we, this will, uh, affect the welterweight division? Uh, because there, we was talking about it, uh, this month, but, um, it was originally set for Willie to fight Maya. Uh, he was on a tear too. Uh, do you think they would perhaps get a fight in? Before that November, uh, October, November mark, or do you think they would probably have to put a little hold on there, um, until, uh, the wait for Willie to meet GSP in that time frame? I think it would be pretty much the same situation we had going in the middleweight division. Uh, Woodley would probably want to wait because he knows the paycheck that would come with it, but, uh, Dana White and the powers that be would want him to defend. And not, uh, hold the weight class hostage. And of course, probably the other fighters in the, the division would have fits too. Yeah. Yeah. I can definitely understand, uh, Willie wanting to wait to just due to the money that's involved in that fight. That could be his biggest payday ever in the UFC. So it most likely will. So I can definitely understand that, but. I gotta be honest, man. I told you before, I will feel nervous for your man GSP for him to come back and 
just get into a ring with a beast like Woodley, uh, that would be a huge step for him to get back into the ring. So I uh, would have liked to see him, you know, the best move would have been Bisping, but I uh, don't think he has a, you know, has a lot to offer to the table like Woodley has. But if GSB is going to get in there, man, it's probably best for him to, you know, take his time off and make sure that he's ready because when Woodley gets in that ring, man, it, it can be over quick. So. Oh yeah, I, I totally agree. Uh, best bet. Would, I mean, I, if you feel bad saying it because he's a champion, but I mean, I feel like this being basically would be a tune-up fight for GSP. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean that that would be his best bet, especially if he's going to fight in the in the welterweight division because that that division is pretty stacked and Woodley he he's proving that he deserves to be champ. Yeah. So, yeah, it probably would have been uh, better for him to take a fight of uh, somebody in the lower part of the top ten or so just to get his feet back wet and get back used to the speed of a, of a live fight. But, you know, you, I guess you take that risk of losing to somebody if if, he, if he's not still peak level GSP too. So maybe he's just trying to get in there, get his money, and if he loses, get out. Yeah. Now, just your opinion. Um, do you think that if GSP was to fight Bisping, do you still think that would have made more money uh, compared to him fighting Woodley? Because even though Woodley is a better um, fighter, in my opinion, than Bisping. Uh, you know, he's one of the most underrated, overlooked fighters the UFC has ever had. So, which one do you think would bring in more money, in your opinion? You, you still would think Bisping? Or? I guess Bisping probably a little bit more, uh, just because of the international appeal of it. Yeah. I mean, you have GSP who brings basically the country of Canada with him. And, and Bisping is a draw in the UK. That's where he's from. So, uh, a bigger, a bigger, uh, buy rate PPV wise, uh, due to, due to the fact that both of them are quote international fighters. And I mean, Woodley has been shy about telling how he doesn't feel he's promoted as yeah. well as he should be. Even though he's a far more exciting and talented fighter than Bisping, uh, I feel like that one would probably draw a little more. Not, not as much as most people would think. Uh, I, I do think the, just the level of that fight and, and just the, the drawing power of GSP's first fight back is going to do bananas numbers. Yeah. But, uh, I think just because of Bisping, being from another country, yeah, he might be a tick or two higher because of that. Yeah. Plus, man, I say just a little bit of trash talk too, man. You yeah. talk a little he, bit. He's yeah. more like, yeah. So I would think that would help too. But yeah. But all right, man. Uh, anything else to add for you, man? GSP. Not nah, like I said. I just hope he's somewhere <laughs> near what he used to be if he's gonna fight. Yeah. All right, man. We're about to talk about. Oh, uh, Mighty Mouse next. Uh, Cody Garbrandt, he was originally supposed to fight TJ Dillashaw. It wasn't at 212. It was at, actually supposed to be at the 213. Uh, but he yeah. got injured. Um, 
And so TJ Dillashaw, you know, there was rumors going around, you know, well, he's kind of stated that he would like to fight uh, Demetrius Johnson. Uh, he's a beast, man. But just with this, do you? How do you feel about the thoughts of this happening? And do you actually believe this fight will will happen? Well, I'm I'm really bummed that this fight is off. I'll, I've been looking forward to it. Uh, I don't know if either of you two have been wa- uh, watching the uh, the reality series, uh, The Ultimate Fighter. Uh, but oh, no. TJ and TJ and Cody were coaching against each other, and uh, you can. It's, it's been a few heated exchanges, like in, in the very first episode, basically, uh, Cody threw up a hand around, uh, TJ's neck and was getting ready to try to throttle him. So, uh, there's, there's no love lost between these two, uh, as, as we've stated, they're former campmates from, uh, Team Alpha Male under, uh, Uriah Faber. Uh, Dillashaw left under, um, terms that the rest of the guys didn't like going with uh, their former striking coach uh, who wanted to start his own new gym. So this was a legit fight where the two guys really have history, don't like each other. I felt like it was going to be fireworks just because they're both high action fighters anyway. And and it brings another level when you, you are active fighters and you don't like who you're fighting. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm really sad that this fight is not happening. It's interesting hearing, uh, DJ's name being thrown in as a replacement, but, um, over the last six months to a year, uh, Mighty Mouse is, he, he started to put his feet in the ground as far as, look, I'm possibly the best fighter in the world. And if you want me to start moving up and having super fights, you better pay me super fight money. So, yeah. I don't think the fight is out of the question. It's just the UFC is going to have to come come out of that wallet for it. Uh, if, if DJ is going to put himself at risk going up uh, to fight Dillashaw or having Dillashaw come down and jump the line uh, to, to fight DJ, he, he, he wants to get paid for it. So I, I can understand that. Uh, being as, as good as he is, he's probably the lowest paid title holder in the UFC, uh, from what I've heard, his normal purse is it's like maybe two or three hundred k. Where yeah. you know you got McGregor pulling out multi million dollar fights, Brock came back without a belt to get a couple million dollars, uh, and you know, yeah, I was gentle and like they're all getting paid crazy money. Where he's where Mighty Mouse is as good, if not far better, than some of the names I mentioned. Yeah, you know, just another one that I was reading an interview that he had. Uh, he was kind of ticked off a little bit at about the whole CM Punk situation when he came in. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was talking about, yeah, he makes about two, three hundred thousand a fight. CM Punk's, uh, debuted in a UFC. He made five hundred thousand, uh, to get the daylight speed out of him pretty much. So, uh, I definitely understand this. Uh, I do believe that, yeah, you know, Mighty Mouse is a beast. He's, Definitely one of the best, if not the best, in MMA right now. And for me, I, when I see a fighter that's been dominating as much as he has been in that division of his, I always want to see fighters move up and wait uh, when they do that. But again, I understand you. He wants the money to do that, so yeah. it's gonna be. And and also, he he wants to set the record for title defenses too. Yeah, true. Yeah, 
He uh yeah he has like one more right to yeah yeah he needs one more defense to tie and then he, he wants to he wants to be alone so yeah I mean that means he 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 wants to have at least two more fights at his weight class yeah yeah so I was yeah I was talking about that yeah how he was uh, I was listening about and then another interview where he was talking about he could just he believes he can just floor that record and just have it to the point where nobody could beat it um so. He's that talented, he could do it, but yeah, but for this to happen, I definitely think Dana will have to end up, uh, coughing up a little bit more cash. I do believe that, um, Demetrius Johnson, he deserves it. Dude always works hard. He gets into the ring. He gives his absolute best, um, and just dominates his opponents. So I would definitely like to see Dana cough up a little bit more money for this guy, for him to have this fight. Uh, one of the best fighters. Uh, the UFC has ever seen. So we'd like to see it happen, but yeah, well, Dana White ego let him cough up a little bit more cash. That's the big question. Yeah. I mean, Dana, he, he's very shrewd as a businessman and, yeah. you know, from, from the UFC side, for some reason, uh, fans do not buy into the lighter male weight classes as much. Uh, I don't know why it is. Yeah, I was about to say, man, like, why do you think, like, why why do you think that is? I mean, I, I guess I think it just goes to the male ego. If you feel like you're watching a fighter that you may be able to beat up because you're just bigger than them, yeah. even even though it may be the craziest thing possible, like, if, if DJ walks into a room, I, I don't know too many people that are actually going to, Scrap him up, yeah. even, even if you are big. If, if you're if you're not trained, you're probably getting put down. Yeah, but uh, if I could just jump in real fast, I mean, like, I think that's still the persona that follows the UFC. The fact that these guys are getting in there, and a lot of people think it's still a street fight. It's yeah. not a street fight. Like these guys are trained. They are, you know, basically, for lack of a better term, experts at what they do to the highest level. And, you know, you see a guy in the ring who might be, you know, five, six, five, seven, a hundred and twenty five, hundred thirty pounds. And you think, well, I'm six foot, hundred and seventy five, hundred and eighty. You know, I, that's nothing. So, you know, I think it takes the Daniel Cormier's and, you know, the Brock Lesnar's for people to say, all right, that's someone you don't want to mess with. And, and I would almost think that's why they don't buy into the lighter weight class. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I'm, I'm 5'11", about 210. I actually have taken a, a year of martial arts, judo, but DJ would wax me if I got into a fight. I'm not scared <laughs> to say it. And, I mean, I, I've, I've been in my share of little, like, fights. I mean, I've, I've thrown hands with people, but that's, that's not, I, I'm not about that life. Yeah. I'm, I'm not trying to go at, go at it with a UFC fighter, even if it's somebody that I outweigh by 80 pounds. Yeah. I, I look at that guy and I know he's one of the best fighters in the world and he would, he would probably double leg me and put me out. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just to add on to that, I, I kind of just think it's just about, you know, the whole size thing. Um, you know, whenever, usually people, whenever you see two people fighting, uh, if they don't know anything about their background or anything, they're usually probably going to pick the guy that's bigger to end up winning the fight, just thinking that they're tougher. And I think part of that is just they wanted to see the biggest and the baddest guys get it on. 
Um, so that's just part of the reason uh, I still think it's crazy because, uh, you know, either way, the guy has talent. If you want to see a good fight, definitely watch this guy get in the ring because he's just talented. He can knock you out, take you down, do whatever. Guys just can do anything in the ring. But, yeah, I just think it's just like people like see big guys just get it on in the ring. So it's much crazier. Than this, yeah, but. and I'm to be fair, if we, yeah. we're going to get into him later, but you know, a guy like Mayweather, though, he, this guy can sell fights, even though he's not the biggest, baddest, uh, guy around. So. Well, I think that's a little different just because, I mean, boxing's just in a bad way right now. True. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, if you go back 15, 20 years, I mean, if the, if there was if there was a dominant heavyweight, they were selling. I mean, yeah. going back, I mean, pretty Tyson. much that ended with with Lennox Lewis, yeah. I would say. But I mean, yeah, you had Tyson. E- even when he was on his downside, he was still outdraw any yeah. fighter that was ranked higher pound for pound. But it's just once once the heavyweight division in boxing just got so diluted with a lack of talent, yeah. people had to start looking down to welterweight and lower than that so you had your roy joneses you had your zab judas you had your floyds come along where it's just that's where the talent was so that's what you had to watch but i mean you you can you can pull floyd's name out that he can sell a fight uh but i mean how many more besides him can actually draw a lot of money i mean people are excited now for canelo versus golovkin but Really, how much how much were they making on their own fighting whoever? Yeah, true. But to 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 add to that as well, do you think Mayweather's you know his words his you know his arrogance is part of the reason he sold fights too? Like Demetrius Johnson isn't exactly Floyd Mayweather Floyd Mayweather when it comes to, you know getting out in front of the media. Yeah, for sure, um, and, and not many people are so. Do you, do you think a lot of it is a lot of people are buying these Mayweather fights? I mean, yeah, you're buying the product, but to hopefully watch him lose, get his face pounded in. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Think, Floyd yeah. figured out. How, yeah, Floyd figured out how to play the game. When he yeah. first started, he wasn't he wasn't this guy. He he was he was humble. He he said the right things in interviews, but he probably saw in order for me to start making money, like I'm talented, but in order for me to start making a lot of money and getting this this pay per view money, I have to create a persona, and that came money. Money came out of that. Money Mayweather was born out of I need to draw more, and he started using that, doing ridiculous stuff. Whenever he fights a Mexican, going back to his dad's days, wearing a sombrero and poncho, coming to the ring just to make people hate him. Yeah, and it worked. He 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 straight used WWE tactics. Uh, the, the baby faces don't really draw the, the heels do because you can get that heat. If you can get people wanting to throw stuff at you and get, they come to hope and see you lose, that you're still making as much money as that person that might be a a hero to people. Yeah. Maybe more. Mm -hmm. Right. But like I said, we're about to get back to, uh, Mayweather in a minute, but, um, just yeah, like any other thoughts on this whole uh, Mighty Mouse uh, Dillashaw fight? I mean, uh, it's it's a possibility. I'm not I'm not saying this this one is impossible to happen. Uh, but 
But like we said, are you are do you are you feeling that? How are you feeling towards it? Do you think just like uh, are you fifty fifty on it? Do you I think it's more likely that it will happen or will not happen? I'm more so seventy thirty that it doesn't happen. Oh, okay. What about you, Ty? I know you was, you was texting me this morning talking about this fight. Uh, yeah. Yeah. How do, how do you, you think it's more likely to happen or will not happen? I'd say as of now, it's pretty split. I would say it's 50 50 right now, only because, uh, you know, it's planned for August. So we're looking at what? What is it? Five months, five months away. Yeah. So, so I mean, a lot can happen in that amount of time. Um, I mean, I hope it goes through. I think it'd be a good fight. I think people would want to watch it. I think it'd be good. I know I'd I'd be I'd be right in line for that one. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely one. I I will definitely be somewhere to see it if it happens. It's just mm-hmm. I'm not totally sure. Just because I mean I'm not sure if, if the UFC is willing to renegotiate DJ's contract to make sure he is uh, paid to where he's going to be happy about this. Yeah, you know, I just me personally, I, I'm kind of, I would say 60, 40, uh, 60, <laughs> it will not happen. So just, I just think, uh, just with Dana White's ego, uh, it just, yeah. I don't think he would be willing to cough up that cash just yet, uh, for that paper. Well, then, then I guess just re- real fast, what do you think it would take for it to not happen? Uh, I mean, like, I know you guys are saying, you know, Dana White, but, would something better have to come along for it to not happen, or would it just be contract negotiations? Yeah, it's it's, it's that you say hit it right there. It's the yeah. contracts. I don't I I don't think there's a better fight uh, yeah. for the for the two right now. Uh, if, if Garbrandt's hurt, I don't think there's another name between the two of them for those two divisions for those two fighters that uh, could draw. I mean, the only thing that could come close for Dillashaw would be. Uh, him getting a rematch against Dominic Cruz. Yeah, that's what I was uh, yeah. that, That's about the only thing that I, I think would be a reasonable substitute for, for Dillashaw. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I agree, Ty. Just, you know, contract mm-hmm. uh, negotiations. Uh, that's yeah, what I yeah, you know, I, I, I understand the big thing with the UFC is money talks. You know, you're not, it's not team sports. <laughs> Yeah, you know, yeah. so yeah. well, especially in in this day and age where they they can't use their sponsorships to the yeah. level that they used to be, yeah, four four or five years ago, and you know that none of them like that Reebok deal. There's yeah. only yeah. a couple people really eating off of that, and yeah, I remember you guys talking about that. Yeah, horrible deal, man. But all right, guys. Uh, up next, we're about to just get into my man John Jones uh, versus Cormier. Uh, just looking at the trash talk these guys were having at that press conference, man. I was just cracking up. But uh, it's, it's set. Uh, these guys are supposed to set, fight for two at two fourteen. But the question is, should this be the actual main event for two fourteen? Just looking at John Jones' history, how do you guys feel about it? I mean, in a perfect world, no, it probably shouldn't be. Uh, well, in, in the perfect, perfect world, if you could actually set a card up where you have something where is a decent follow if, if something does happen with this, but realistically, it has to be 
this is going to be the fight that people buy this card for. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think there's another fight you can say is going to come close to uh, equaling this uh, yeah. if you put it on the same card. So I mean, you don't have a choice. This this is the main event for whatever card it goes on, basically. Uh, outside of maybe getting Stipe versus Kane. That's I don't know what what else you could throw on a card opposite those two where you could reasonably argue that's the main event. Yeah. So you just you kind of have to. You just hope you have a re- a decent co-main where if it goes off the rails and Jones does something stupid, you have another decent fight at least. Yeah. Could could you guys imagine Cormier if this one doesn't go through again? Like he oh, was, I would, he was devastated last time, and you saw it. Yeah. Like that was some pretty shocking footage that they got of him when Dana White broke it. Yeah. But uh, you know, I, I'm with Darnell. I think just for the draw, you have to put it as the main event. Uh, that's going to be what everybody's going to talk about anyway, no matter who fights. Um, so you know, I I'm all for it being the main event. But you know, Darnell said in the perfect world, you know, Jones is basically screwed himself over one too many times and probably shouldn't be the main event in his first fight back until he proves he can actually fight, get get in, get to a fight without failing a drug test. Yeah. Yeah, man. Johnny, he's my guy, but, uh, you know, I agree with you guys. Um, just with his history and whatnot, you have to look at it and say, man, can I really rely on this guy to, you know, pass a test or let's not get in trouble uh, so we can actually have this fight happening. But just looking at these two, you have John Jones and Daniel Cormier, like who, you know, you brought it up darn there. Like what other fight would you put ahead of this? Like these are just two giants just clashing at each other. So um, just with the trash talk and the skills, everything that these guys bring to the table, you know, it's absolutely hard to pick a fight that would actually that you could say that would be better than that fight. So I definitely agree, man. Um, it would be tough in a perfect world, yes, but it, it, it would definitely be tough to just schedule a fight that could, that you can actually say deserves to be the main event ahead of that fight. So, but you know, hey, if they can get Steve Bay and Kane up in there real quick, I would, I would definitely not mind that, man. That, that would be a hell of a fight. So. But all right, guys, um, anything else for UFC? Yeah, I, I guess just real fast doing some research there on 214. Looks like my boy, the Korean zombie, is going to be fighting. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, man. I remember you telling me. <laughs> yeah, dude. Remember, he was, he was one of the first fights I watched this year. Yeah, and, man. And I remember telling you, this dude might get knocked around. He was in the army over in Korea. and Came over here, first fight, had like an abbreviated camp and knocked the dude out after getting pushed around for a round and a half. Yeah. I'll be excited to see what he brings. I remember that. That'll be fun. He was telling me, he was like, this dude's named the Korean Zombie. What type of nickname is that? He ate them punches, man, and went in there and knocked dude out. So. Yeah. So I'm. (laughs) Hence why they call him a zombie. (laughs) Yeah. It keeps coming. Yeah. So I will, I will be watching 214. Yeah. For sure. All right. 
Now, uh, let's just get back to Mayweather real quick. Um, are you guys still uncertain about this Mayweather-McGregor fight? Uh, there was just news coming out that McGregor, McGregor, he actually done everything on his side to, uh, for the contract and everything. So it's basically just in Mayweather's hands. Are you guys buying that news? You think they're just still hyping it up or how do you guys feel? I am not buying into this until <laughs> you give me, you show me a picture of the contract. You had to be right them. there in the, in the room with them meeting down, signing it. <laughs> all but all but that. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I I almost feel like I need to see them both actually standing in the ring. <laughs> yeah. You know, I understand the contract can get signed, but until they actually get in a ring together, it'll almost be hard to believe that it's actually happening. Yeah, you know, I I feel the same way. You know, just with uh, these two, just um, you know, them saying that it's in Mayweather's hands now and whatnot. Uh, I still would just like to see a little bit more, man. But I was just talking. Uh, I was looking at another interview with that with that Dana was having. Um, he was just talking about, you know, if this fight was to go down, this could be uh, McGregor's last time you see him fight, which would be reasonable just with the pay that he was going to think they were saying he could make about eighty million off that fight. But uh, Dana, he would get a nice chunk of that eighty. So just with the whole money thing, if if they could get everything scheduled out where. Dana gets a lot of that cash, definitely, but I still think we got a little bit, a while to go for this fight to happen. Just think they're just finding ways to continue to hype up a pretty awful fight, so. Yeah. All right, guys, um, anything else to add, uh, you know, forget whether any combat sport, whether boxing or whatever? No, I think, uh, I think we hit it pretty good for the next few fights yeah. until they come around again. Yep. We got next uh, week. We'll be talking about it, man. Uh, talking about my mm-hmm. man Aldo getting ready. So, mm-hmm. yep. But all right. Uh, we're about to go to NFL next. Uh, first, we're about to talk about is Colin Kaepernick. Um, there has been uh, news coming out that he's going to be trying out for the Seahawks. Um, are you guys still pretty surprised that this guy hasn't been signed yet? Yeah, I, I'm surprised, uh, for one. I mean, we've seen less talented quarterbacks get signed already. Um, you know, I th- for me, personally, I'm past the protest thing. Like, I understand that that will follow him for a while, but I, I'm, I'm past it. We need to see him as a football player now. If you're not seeing him as a football player, that's a personal issue. Um, I mean, we've seen... Mike Lennon signed to a pretty, pretty good deal in Chicago. Uh, Gabbert just signed somewhere. Uh, Arizona, I believe. You know, we're, we're seeing these quarterbacks that are less talented, really have a way lower ceiling than Colin Kaepernick go to teams and he's still sitting there waiting for someone really to even give him a look. He, you know, I, he's just starting to get looks from teams at this point. But, uh, you know, in terms of him working out for Seattle, I actually think it's a decent workout for him. Uh, he fit fairly well in that offense. He's very similar to Russell Wilson. Now, I'm not calling him Russell Wilson, but very similar style. You know, doesn't, you know, kill it with the long ball. Can use his feet very effectively. Uh, tends to make the right decision. Uh, medium range passes are, you know, the bread and butter. So, uh, I would actually like to see him 
land that job as the backup, I think it'd be a solid backup spot for him. But yeah, I'm pretty surprised he's not signed at this point. Yeah, I'm surprised as well, especially after it's come out that he wasn't like demanding a starting job on a team, uh, especially if he's willing to talk to a team like Seattle that has an unquestioned number one quarterback. And then like, like Titus went with, with some of the other quarterbacks that have been signed to starting jobs or backup jobs. I mean, you got Brian Fitzpatrick that just got a job. Oh, yeah, him too. (laughs) He's an interception machine uh, versus Cap, who has one of the lower interception rates over the last few seasons of any quarterback. Uh, It it just shows more and more that it's not football. It's not football why he's not Mm -hmm. uh, on a roster. Uh, but uh, I agree with Ty as well. I, I do think this is one of the better fits uh, for football reasons and non-football reasons. Uh, the Seahawks, they have an interesting crew of characters there where everybody's pretty free to speak their mind. Uh, Pete yeah. Carroll, their coach, kind of is open to that. He, he likes his players to be free. Uh, express themselves. You know, you got Richard Sherman there. You got one of the Bennett brothers that are all, you know, open and honest and they, they wear their beliefs on their sleeve too. So it's kind of a good landing spot for them where, uh, Cap wouldn't be the focus of everything, uh, with his, his, uh, personal beliefs. Uh, so I, I do think that's a good spot. And then on the football side, I, I do think he's a good fit to step in there and, and help out if something were to happen with, uh, Russell Wilson where he had to miss some games. Uh, I think he's a ser- serviceable fit with a similar skill set that would be able to plug right in. Now, this is just a trial, but uh do you guys actually think he will land there in Seattle? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Okay. Well, apparently his only competition is RG3. Uh I think at this point in time, Cap is probably a better look there. Uh he's more durable, uh being that he's he's a bigger, stronger QB and uh I think he protects the ball a little better, so uh I don't see where else they would go, especially with last year's backup, uh, Trevin Boykin having some legal issues. So mm-hmm. uh, I think it's more likely than not that's where he goes unless somebody sneaks in with an offer where he actually has a chance at starting. All right. It's fair to say. All right. Now we're about to get into home, uh, talk about the Detroit Lions. Uh, it was. News from Calvin Johnson coming out this week, uh, comments he made about the Lions where he just said that he felt as if he wasn't treated right by the Lions on his way out. Uh, I believe he had to give back, uh, two, two to three hundred thousand dollars, um, from his contract, uh, in order to leave the Lions. So, uh, but what did you guys think when you first heard that? I thought it was BS. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> this is. This, this dude took so many bullets for you guys in games, you know, putting himself on the line to try to pick balls out of, from any angle. I mean, outside of this year, I mean, I've, I've not been shy about my thoughts on Stafford as far as I thought he relied too much on Calvin and 
Calvin saved him on a lot of bad throws where he was just kind of seeing the area where Calvin was and throwing it because he has a catch radius of a garage. So most likely he was going to come down with it. But from a lot of that extending to, to make those plays to help that team, he, he took a lot of hits, uh, a lot of safeties got to tee off on him because of that. Uh, and, and linebackers across the middle. So, uh, Due to how much he had to take, uh, I, I think he, he, they should have let him keep his two to three hundred thousand dollars. Because I mean, what, what's that? What's that getting the Lions and an extra third string is terrible anyway. Yeah, I mean, Moore's yeah, got plenty of money anyway, man. So yeah, <laughs> you know, I th- I think kind of one of the misconceptions floating around this story is that like. Calvin Johnson, you know, really mad with the Lions, and he's starting to break ties with them. You know, he went to uh, the Raiders OTAs the other day. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of people are starting to think, oh, is this Calvin Johnson starting to, you know, pull apart from the Lions? Like, I don't think that's happening. Um, just kind of based on the quote, you know, he said, um, he said, it's all good. I'm not tripping. I don't feel any kind of way. Uh, just, hey, that's what they did. It is what it is. Um, I mean, I think he understands the business act as- aspect of it. That's why they reached a settlement. Uh, it was a three hundred and twenty thousand uh, dollars. So, I mean, I think he understands where the team's coming from. It just wasn't the way he wanted it to happen. Uh, and I think that there's a very fine line between, uh, I think, the narrative that's kind of following the story and what actually went down. So. Um, I think it's just kind of fair to clear the air on that. So, uh, you know, I, I think he has a right to be upset, though. Um, you know, like Darnell said, he gave his whole career to a team that took him nowhere. <laughs> one one playoff appearance, I think. Yeah. Like, yep. he he is going to be one of the... It, and the word I'm looking for, I don't even think I can come up with, because it's it's not that he was a disappointment, it's not that he underachieved, but he was going to be he's going to be probably the one one of the best players to never have team success. I mean, I guess that's the best way to put it. Uh, one one playoff appearance in that guy's career, the guy set records. Yeah. Put him on any other team, you're talking Super Bowl. Which is very unfortunate for Calvin Johnson. Um, you know, and I think, you know, as a Lions fan and anybody who has watched the Lions play, so, you know, I think all of us will agree, we all kind of wish better for him, uh, during his career. Like, yeah, that's great. We drafted him. We get him through his rookie contract. We re-sign him. You know, we have Stafford. You know, we're thinking, all right, things are heading in the right direction. We start winning, but then we don't get over the hump of, you know, first round playoffs, you know, they, they kind of get stuck there. And, um, you know, it, we all wanted better for Calvin Johnson because we, we saw how, how great he was, but everybody else may not have because they didn't get to watch him week in and week out. So, uh, he, he sacrificed for that team. He gave a lot, and, uh, you know, Three hundred twenty thousand dollars. Granted, uh, 
with all the money he made in the league, he's not going to necessarily miss $320,000. But then again, neither would the Lions. And I almost think the Lions needed to kind of be the bigger man here to say, you know what, have a good retirement. Yeah, uh, that's that's totally pretty much. I, I echo that. It's, it's, I mean, for for both sides, I mean, it's basically like a a hundred dollar bill to Calvin, and it's basically like a dollar to the lion. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's just the the principle of it. You got this yeah. guy that was he was a good soldier. Uh, he never he he may have internally been just pissed that he was playing for a team that could only peak at a, a first round exit. Um, but he never said a bad word about him. He, he always, he was always the epitome of class. And, mm-hmm. you know, anybody with eyes knew that this guy was at worst the number two receiver in the league for his whole career. Uh, any given season, I think overall during his time period, I don't think there's anybody you could say was clearly better than him. So, uh, I mean, it's just, like you said, I mean, it, it, it seems a little petty that you had to fight with him over 300 grand when it, that's not an amount of money that's gonna, it wasn't the difference between a Super Bowl and a wild card spot for the Lions. They, they weren't getting any further than they were already. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, now, uh, Tyler, you brought it up. He did go to, uh, the Raiders OTAs. Uh, mm-hmm. do you think this could be a sign of him itching to want to get back on the field possibly next year, maybe this year? Uh, for no. what? Do you just think he's just doing it or like, how do you guys feel? Yeah. yeah, you know, all these guys are fans of the game and they all recognize who, you know, the good players are, who great players are and, you know, all these guys are friends and, you know, he's probably just going to hang out. I mean, people in, you know, front offices move different teams all the time and, you know, you go visit somebody. I mean, yeah, it was a little weird watching him, you know, wear a white Raider shirt, but, um, <laughs> you know, but it's, it's kind of like the dude's retired. I don't think he's coming back because of the way he talked about, uh, you know, the whole CTE issue. Uh, he had that, big piece, I think it was on E60, if I'm not mistaken. But, um, yeah, j- just the way, you know, I heard him talk about the CTE situation, his career, I think he sees the, the legitimate danger in it and, you know, how you know, players would, you know, get those painkillers and how they'd abuse them, how he abused them for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I actually think you know, he's done. He can wake up in the morning and not feel like he has to take 50 different pills just to make it through the day. And I, and I think he's satisfied with where he's at, the career he had. I think he'll always love the Lions organization, uh, the Fords, you know, the coaches he had. So I, I think, I think he is comfortable with where he's at right now. Yeah, I I don't read too much into him showing up at the Raiders OTA. Uh, Calvin, I mean, outside of even being as great as a receiver as he was, he's he's one of the smarter guys in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he he's always had 
uh, his exit strategy planned out. And uh, like Tyler's mentioned, I, th- I think a lot of those aches and pains and injuries that were building up, uh, it it just wasn't worth it for him anymore. And he, even even the thought of him going to a team like the Raiders that you know are on the the upper slope, I I just don't think that's enough for him. He's made his money, uh, and you know his, his production was starting to go down, and he was starting to be hurt more often. I, I don't think he wants that for himself. Uh, I think he was just there, you know, to take in the OTA and give some of his knowledge to a younger player. Uh, there was an article on ESPN today just of him uh, talking with the receivers there, uh, him and uh, Amari Cooper uh, going over routes and stuff like that. Uh, I think that's all that was, just you know him him giving some, some knowledge to the new breeder receiver, uh, somebody that maybe he sees, sees something in. Right. Now we're about to get into the Detroit Lions schedule. Uh, just what do you guys think of their schedule and what are your predictions for them? How many games do you think they'll win? Yeah, you know, the, the one thing that I like about the NFL is the teams you play the following year are solely determined on how you finished the year before. Um, I really like that. I think it, you know, brings the best competition possible. You know, you get a lot of the, uh, division winners playing each other. You get a lot of top-tier teams constantly, week in, week out, facing off with each other. So the Lions finishing second place in uh, the NFC North last year, uh, that means they, they get a pretty pretty tough schedule coming forward because, uh, you know, you look at, you know, they have to play the NFC South next year. So that means they have to see Atlanta. They have to see New Orleans. They have to see Carolina, three you know, very solid football squads. Now Carolina coming off a pretty rough year, but, uh, you know, still, still a team you have to worry about. Um, they're not the Cleveland Browns, which we get to see this year from the, uh, AFC North. So, um, tough schedule. Uh, they play some of the second place teams out there. Uh, but overall, um, I like the mix of their schedule. I believe that the first and second half, you know, just a quick run through. Uh, they play uh, home to Arizona at New York Giants, home to the Falcons at the Vikings, home against the Carolina Panthers at New Orleans, home to Pittsburgh at Green Bay, home to Cleveland at the Bears. Home to the Vikings, then they're at the Ravens and at the Bucks, then they're home against the Bears and at the Bengals, and then home against the Packers. So, yeah, so just a couple highlighted games that I have for the Lions this year. You know, not necessarily some make or break games, but I think some games that will kind of show what this team really is. You know, I'm going to start week one and talk about their match with the Cardinals. I think that'll be a really good week one test. And, um, you know, the Cardinals will have, you know, David Johnson back. So I think this will be a really good opening week for that, for that, uh, Lions defense to kind of maybe set a good tone early. Uh, hopefully pull out a win week one, get the team on a strong foot to start. But then they go 
to the Meadowlands and play the Giants in Monday Night Football. I think that'll be a great follow-up game, win or lose, to, to that game with the Cardinals. Um, you know, once again, just see what the team's made of. Uh, Giants made a good run last year, so I think that'll that'll be a fun one. Uh, and then week three, they'll have uh, the Falcons. So, you know, a very, very tough stretch to start uh, for the Lions. I think that'll be a great test early. Last year, uh, their schedule was real tough late. I think the first half of their schedule is way tougher than the second half. So, you know, I think if the Lions, you know, through the first six weeks could even be three and three, I think they'd be in it setting themselves up very nice, uh, to finish out the season. Um, you know, they, they'll go see the Steelers. Uh, I think that'll be a very tough game. Uh, I won't expect them to win that, but I, I think that game will be, uh, you know, Asking a lot of the lines, but, you know, good, good team to play midseason, uh, kind of keep everything in check. You know, if they were to get on a small win streak, that'd be a good reality check for them. You know, play against a good playoff team there in the AFC championship last year. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see how, uh, the Lions handle the Browns. Um, not saying I expect this to be a great game, but I, I just want to see if the Lions can control a football game. They did not do that much last year. I think that'll be a good opportunity for them to just control a game beginning to end um, and, you know, just get a get a pretty good, easy win under their belt. Um, uh, Trey, sorry, but I haven't beaten the Ravens this year. All right. Uh, they'll man, be in Baltimore. That, that was Mark yeah. for me, man. It's well yeah, yeah, they'll, be, they'll be in Baltimore. <laughs> I think, once again, kind of like the Steelers, uh, that's just going to be another good reality check game for them. You know, Baltimore hits hard. They play tough. Uh, solid defense. Uh, can beat you with the long ball. So I think that'll be a good game for the uh, secondary of the Lions. Uh, good test for them. Uh, and then always ending the year with the Packers. Uh, it's always a pretty good game. It's been fun when the division comes down to it. Uh, very nervous. But, uh, you know, I'm hoping that the Lions can do a little better at home against the Packers this year. But in terms of overall record, you know, I have I have them at best ten and six. Realistically, I have them at that nine and seven, eight and eight mark. And I think at worst they could go six and ten this year. So um if I had to kind of put my money down on something, I'd have them at nine and seven, very borderline for the playoffs. I think they need at least ten if they want to get there. But um, you know, like I said, uh Finishing second in the NFC North last year, that gave them a pretty tough draw. They, you know, get to play those second place teams, and uh, you know, and then they have to play the NFC South. So that just is a tough draw. Um, it's how the schedule goes, and uh, I think the Lions will get to see some pretty good competition this year. Now, just for you, because you already said it, Todd, but just looking at the schedule, uh, do you have any faith that they can win a division? Um. Once again, I think it'll determine how they start the season. I mean, when you open the season with uh, Arizona, New York Giants, Atlanta Falcons, Minnesota Vikings, Carolina Panthers, New Orleans Saints, and the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, you could very easily lose every single one of those games. Yeah. Um, you know, I, like I said, if they can just start the season off, uh, you know, three and three, four and three, um, you know, I really think they could set themselves up for a nice cushion. Um, you know, the Packers will be playing all those first place teams. Uh, so it's not like they're going to have a cakewalk schedule. Uh, yeah. They, they're the team, they're the team that had to basically win their last seven games of the season last year to 
win the division. So it's I don't think it's out of the question for the Lions, but I they'll they'll definitely have their work cut out for them. Yeah. All right, Nizo, how you feel? I look at the schedule and I'm like, ooh, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's far. Lions go. <laughs> it's a scary schedule. Yeah, because I mean. They 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 won the games that were in front of them last year, but I feel like they they never really showed that they could put teams away. They had to have a lot of comeback victories and a lot of late game theatrics, and then late in the season where they played those top tier teams, they they hung for a couple quarters, maybe two thirds of the game, and then they got beat up. So, I mean, and I'm not sure how much they improved, uh, from last year. I mean, they got some good, they got, they had a decent draft, but I'm not sure how quickly they will make an impact. So, I mean, I, I look at the schedule and it just reads eight and eight to me. Mm-hmm. So I just feel like they're going to be that middling team. They'll probably finish second in the division just because uh, I'm not sure about Minnesota and Chicago's going to be terrible. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, especially like the starting schedule, I, I think they have a shot at beating Arizona, but the Giants and the Falcons, I think, feast on them. And I, I think they'll beat Minnesota. Carolina's going to be a tough one for them. And then, can they handle just a high-powered offense just because their defense has not been great? Uh, and then, you know, they, the second half of the season is a little better, but still not much. So, I mean, you, you got, you still have Pittsburgh in week eight. That's going to be a battle. They play Green Bay twice, uh, between mm-hmm. weeks nine and 17. Uh, they have Cleveland and Chicago and Minnesota in there where I, those are teams I feel like they can beat. Baltimore is going to be a tough game, and so will Tampa. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Cincy, I feel like that's like a coin flip because I feel like they're kind of similar type teams with their yeah. talent levels. So uh, this this is a rough looking schedule. I, th- I think they can go eight and eight. I, I don't feel like the Lions are a bad team or anything like that, but uh, they read eight and eight to me, and are probably on the outside looking into a wild card spot. Yeah, you know, kind of going off what you were saying, you know, talking about facing a high-powered offense. They face a few high-powered offenses this year, um, yeah. which which is why I'm so nervous. And like I said, they could either go, you know, somehow go 10 and 6, or they could go 6 and 10. Um, yeah. You know, when you're looking at Atlanta, New Orleans, Green Bay twice, Steelers, uh, some weeks the Bucks. <laughs> you know, just this is not a friendly schedule at all. and. It, it's not like it's their fault. It's just the way the NFL does the scheduling. It's not a randomized yeah. schedule. It's very planned out. Um, I actually really like the way they do the scheduling. I think it calls for the best games every year. Um, you know, the, this way you could possibly get, you know, Green Bay versus New England and everybody will watch that. You could get Seattle versus New England and everyone will watch that because those are first place teams. Um, but you know, just top to bottom, the, the schedule just doesn't scream cakewalk. You know, I expect the Lions to win some of the games very, in very ugly fashion. Yeah. I don't, ex- I don't expect a lot of, you know, 10 point victories here. I expect some Matt Prater field goals. I'll expect some 
Matthew Stafford touchdown with eight seconds left. Um, one, because that's just how the Lions operate, and it's how I kind of feel they always will. But just having to play some of those second-place teams, uh, playing the AFC North, you know, those are just things that scream difficult, you know, challenge, uh, tough football. And, you know, this will be a very telling year for the Lions. And I'm not saying, you know, who needs to stay, who needs to go. But I think this will toughen a lot of players up um, for the following year. Now, I'm not saying I want this to happen. But say say the Lions go 6-10 and this year. Say they finish third. That could set up very well for them the following year. You know, some of these rookies they drafted who seem to be quite promising, can get a year under their belt, play some really good competition, and then the following year grab an easier schedule. I mean, it's just the way it falls, but, I mean, it could end up being a pretty good thing. Yeah. All right, guys, uh, do you have anything else to add for the Lions or the NFL? No. Oh, I really hope I'm going to at least eight. <laughs> at least eight. Yeah, I'm not going to lie, man. I'm nervous about the schedule, so it's they got a tough one. Yeah, yeah. I I think I heard somewhere they have like the fourth hardest schedule. Oh yeah. I think uh, I would need to double check that. I don't have that in front of me. But I could I could agree. I mean, a lot of a lot of losable games on here. Mm-hmm. There's only there's only a few where I'm like a hundred percent confident that they they win. Is one of those the Browns? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Just making sure that Browns and both Bears games. I'm I'm pretty safe yeah. on those. All right, guys. I'm about to turn it to the NBA. Uh, first thing I'm about to talk about is the Celtics and the Cavs. Um, just how do you guys feel about this matchup? Uh, I mean, it should be over, but. <laughs> But LeBron decided to play terrible one game, so we we got a five game series instead of a sweep. Uh, but I mean, it, it is what it is. Just the after the Celtics and Wizards, they were a it was a decent series there. But the the better matchup for Cleveland, as I think we all mainly agreed on was probably Washington. Yeah. But the Boston got that series. They came in, got Molly Wop that first game and then IT got hurt and they the Cells stepped up and played their one game and luckily enough it was the one game where LeBron James couldn't get to fifteen points and mm-hmm. and it, we are where we are. Well, let me ask yeah. you, uh, well, go ahead, add, add what you got to say, Ty. Yeah, I was going to say, I think, uh, I think the one, one word that would describe this series is, uh, what? <laughs> like, with a question mark <laughs> after it? <laughs> like, first of all, Isaiah Thomas goes out and you think, oh, all right, another starter down. Um, this will be over. And then LeBron plays bad. The rest of the Celtics look really good. And then in the most recent game, Kyrie goes off. 
which we haven't seen much of that in the playoffs yet. And some of the Celtics players look kind of bad again, yet they hang around. Uh, it's just kind of, it's just kind of an odd series to watch. Like, I think at one point I was texting you guys saying the game has no flow. I can't remember which, which game it was. Um, it was not the 50 whatever point blowout because Cleveland had all the flow that game. But it's, it's just that the Celtics seem like they process the ball better on offense without Isaiah Thomas on the floor. But sometimes they just struggle to put it in the hoop. Um, they get better looks without Isaiah Thomas on the floor. They have better ball movement without Isaiah Thomas on the floor. They just struggle to score. They don't have that just stone cold score that they have in Isaiah Thomas. So, I mean, it makes sense why they can't seem to get the ball in the hoop, but it also is like, these are NBA guys who should be making open 20 footers. Yeah. I mean, the last game was just weird. Uh, yeah. you know, LeBron getting a bunch oh, of fouls early. Yeah. And then, but the second half, the Cavaliers shoot 70 some percent from the floor. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like you can't write a, a game like that, like a story. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just the series has just been odd overall. Like I said, you had the massive blowouts uh, to start the series out. One team's best player goes down, and all of a sudden, ball movement picks up. I expected them. I expected the Celtics to be better on defense. Uh, yeah, in Game Three, but. I mean, I wasn't expecting the scoring to pick up like that. And then, of course, you know, you got the the big, big shot at the end at, just before the buzzer to win it for Boston. Uh, and then when you have the ridiculous game, that was game four. Uh, like, it, mm-hmm. it's been a weird series. It's not been an exciting series at all. Uh, it's just kind of one of those where, like, let's get this weird ass series out of here so we can get to the main event that everybody's looking for. Yeah, just real quick before you ask your question, Trey, I I think Colin Coward says it best. A five-game series is just a sweep with an extra road trip. It's still embarrassing. It still shows you didn't deserve to be a part of it. But you have to take that extra road trip. And it sucks. (laughs) For everybody. And I think that's what we're going to end up with here. You watch Colin The gentleman sweep. Yeah, yeah, dude. I I, I watch Colin Coward every day at noon. Yeah, sometimes. Although late, although lately he just defends LeBron, talks about how he compares to MJ. Like that's all he's been talking about lately. So I'm like, yeah, forget it. Well, that's, he he likes to be the contrarian on some things. Yeah, just, he does. It helps his ratings. Yeah, yeah. You know, don't blame him for that. But I did. It's old. Yeah, just real quick. I did enjoy my man Levar Ball on there, man. Uh, <laughs> you enjoyed that? That was one Grand. of the uncomfortable things I've ever have you, watched. Have you, okay, Darnell, just do this for me real fast. Have you ever, okay, think back in your life of some stuff Tran has told you over the years. Have you ever just shook your head, kind of blown Trey off? And, okay. I do that once a week. Is Trayon a little LeVar Ball? He's got a little he LeVar Ball in him. <laughs> I mean, saying ridiculous things and like, yeah, believing it. Yeah, 
Latran's got a. We should start calling him Latran. <laughs> Latran. <laughs> Latray. Yeah, Latray. You guys are crazy, man. Just saying. Yeah, Get, man. Where, 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 where the five hundred dollars sneaks at? <laughs> For four ninety five. Yeah, You're right. <laughs> But yeah, man, what I was about to ask you guys, uh, just looking at the Cavs, uh, they did end up losing game three. Uh, they looked horrible there. And at the beginning, uh, the first half of game four, uh, they were playing bad too, uh, LeBron having the four fouls. Um, just looking at this team, are you guys a little bit nervous for them that they might be starting to show a little bit of their, um, old inconsistent ways? I mean, <clears throat> No, nothing about the Eastern Conference side has made me fear that uh, Golden State isn't winning the title. I'll, I'll just put that out there. All right, so you saying as, it right now, man? Golden State got a lot. I, I believe so. Yes. All right. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll even second that. <laughs> I mean, I, I know Trey, you're going to pick Cleveland this year, but we'll see. I just don't see it. I just don't see it. Yeah. I mean. Cleveland's done what they, for the most part, they've done what they're supposed to do. Uh, they, they, they fell apart in game three. Uh, still only lost off of a, uh, shooter's bounce. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. I mean, it was tied. They were going into overtime, but, uh, Avery Bradley hit a big shot. Uh, kudos to him. Uh, it was a big shot. But, you know, I mean, just, I don't know what it is. Uh, two seasons in a row, basically, but, you know, I said it in the last show, uh, Cleveland kind of avoided every tougher matchup for themselves. Yeah. Coming, coming through this, uh, like it was pretty much a godsend for them getting the two seed because they, they never had to play a team that would have been a better matchup. They avoided the Bucks, which would have probably given them some fits, uh, because they're a strong defensive team and they're tall at, at most positions. And, they avoided uh, the Wizards, who possibly could have canceled out their two and three best players. Uh, not LeBron, of course. Nobody really cancels him out, but you would have had an equivalent of Kyrie and John Wall. And uh, the Wizards are reasonable defensive team, which would have given Kevin Love some problems. But, you know, they... they Things fell into the right way for them. They got Toronto, which just couldn't figure out Cleveland, and they got Boston, which I mean, just we saw they're not a good matchup at all for for the Cavaliers. And this series now has the national media media wondering if Boston needs to trade Isaiah Thomas. So I mean that that <laughs> that shows basically how how bad of a matchup that this was coming out. So looking at it that way, I mean, I, I'm not really impressed by the Cavaliers playoff. Run. LeBron has been ridiculously good. Uh, I will, will not take that away from him, but just overall, I'm not like, Ooh, you got to watch out for them calves. Yeah. You know, when, when, when you do what you're supposed to do, you don't really get all the, you know, love, I guess is the 
word I'm look, looking for there. You know, you don't get the love when you do what you're supposed to do. It's just, oh, LeBron's sweeping the Eastern Conference? Well, they're terrible. He's supposed to do that. Um, now, to be fair, it's not like Golden State has exactly had a big roadblock in their way either. I mean, we Very got true. the mat, we got the matchup with the Spurs that we wanted, but then Kawhi goes down and it just kind of blows up in everyone's face. And it's like, well, so much for that. Um, like I, I tried to send you guys a picture the other day and didn't go through and I just didn't try to resend it, but it was, you know, that, <clears throat> you know, LeBron goes, you know, beats the Eastern Conference by an average of 20 points. Oh, the East sucks. Steph Curry beats the Western Conference by an average of 20 points. Oh, Steph Curry's the next best thing, you know. <laughs> you know, and, and in reality, it seems like that's the narrative between the East and the West Conference. That the Western Conference is all these, you know, stud teams. But, I mean, let's face it. Golden State goes 12-0, marches their way to the finals. I think we expected, you know, two sweeps out of them, maybe not the one against the Spurs, but we also didn't anticipate Kawhi Leonard going down. So, you know, in my opinion, it's two teams that did not necessarily have a roadblock in front of them. Um, kind of just show up and you're going to win. I mean, granted the loss for the Cavaliers, everything fell into place for Boston that night. LeBron wasn't having it. Marcus Smart hit seven threes. Yeah. When has he ever hit seven threes? <laughs> I can tell you he didn't do it at all this season because he was on my fantasy basketball team. Uh, you know, so it, it's just, you know, the idea that LeBron's just done what he's supposed to do. You can't blame him for it. Golden State's done what they're supposed to do. You can't blame them for it either. Uh, to me, I think it's just the idea that for one game, everything fell into place for Boston. And and I don't know that Cleveland's falling into old ways or anything like that. I mean, the other night, Kyrie scores over 40. LeBron scores over 30. I mean, what more do what more do we want from these guys? I mean, LeBron has, you know, four fouls in the first half. I think he had 11 points in the first half. And he scores over 25 in the second half. Like... Or I don't think he scored 25 in the second half. But he ended up with over 30. And it's just kind of like, what, what do we want, 100 points out of LeBron? <laughs> like, in, So we can just continue to add to this you know, greatest of all time discussion. But uh, at the end of the day, like I said, they're just doing what they're supposed to do. They faltered for one game. I don't think we can <clears throat> write them off because of one game. But I think I'm right in line with Darnell thinking that Golden State has the advantage over the two right now. I think they're playing better basketball overall. Yeah, and I'm I'm more along, along those sides. I'm not in any way, shape, or form saying that Golden State is just wax such superiors. Like, th- their side has been so much tougher. Uh, but, I mean, because they got the Spurs minus Kawhi and Tony Parker. I know Parker's on his downside as well, but you know they they still beat them. I think the Spurs without those two players probably still beat Boston in the seven game series. Uh, yeah, but and I think the Blazers probably beat just about everybody else in the East outside of maybe maybe Boston and Washington and Cleveland in a series. 
So, I mean, I, I guess just the West, I think, has a better conference. There's no getting around that. But uh, I just feel like overall they're a better put-together team. They're more efficient. They play better defense. So I think they're a better team than the Cavs. But I think we agree it won't be a sweep. No, no. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking Golden State in six. We'll talk about that later, all right? Thanks. <laughs> Goodness. Just enjoy the moment, guys. Uh, getting ahead of What moment? It's terrible. Yeah, I was going to say. The, the moment of the, the, yeah, the worst playoffs possibly ever. Oh, man. Hey, as Kevin Durant said, if you don't like it, don't watch it. Yeah. And I didn't. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I switched it to hockey, like. I watched the opening tip and I said, all right, this sucks. And <laughs> went to the hockey game. There's been a lot of games I've turned off early or just flat out didn't watch. Yeah. 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 IT went down. Like, I turned it on when I saw it was close in game three. But, I mean, like, the the first game of the series, like, I, I turned it on in the third quarter. I turned it off in the third quarter. So, I was like, okay. Yeah. Just not dealing with this. All right, guys, now, if you just get to Golden State, uh, they are repping the Western Conference, uh, for the finals. Uh, just how do you think this team compares, uh, to the team they had last year? They're better. I think so. Yeah. You, you, you don't add Durant and take a step back. Um, I think this team's a little more driven, more focused. Um, you know, I, who was it? Their GM or someone said they have unfinished business to take care of. Um, and I think that's, you know, from the front office all the way down to the last guy on the bench. You know, I think everybody's buying into that mentality. You know, they're going to come in. If they can sweep Cleveland, they will. Um, you know, they're going to give it all they have. Um, yeah, I, I just think that this Golden State team just has figured it out. You know, I think they realize, all right, we had 73 wins last year. We didn't win the championship. So first of all, one, who cares how many wins you get in a regular season? It doesn't matter. And two, a little bit of a LeBron approach and just said, hey, you know what? Let's just build ourselves for the postseason. Let's just get stocked up, rest during the regular season, just get ourselves in position for the one seed and then make the finals. And I think that was their mission from day one. Yeah. I mean, this, this is a team that was definitely put together to win a championship. Uh, they, they had a good regular season. Uh, and I think Katie's injury is one of those crazy things. It was a good thing for a team. Uh, it, it's it it showed them that they don't have to rely on him, even though he was the new plug and in, in, into this this engine that you know he came in and pretty much made himself the best player on the team. Uh, like Curry, pretty much had to adjust to him, and not vice versa. Uh, but if during the couple of weeks that he was out. Steph Curry found his groove and got back into things. And since KD came back, both of them have been 
very consistent playing with each other. And it's crazy when you have that much firepower on a team that they still made things work. Uh, and everybody accepted their roles and, and did what they need to do. Like, it's crazy to say, but I feel like Draymond became a better defensive player. Mm-hmm. Clay stayed consistent. Uh, pretty much his numbers are pretty much identical to last year. Uh, he ticked up a little bit in points, ticked down like a half, half of a rebound or something like that. And then, like I said, Steph had some up and down time, but they seem to be, he seems to be clicking now. Uh, field goal percentage is back up. So, I mean, it's just, this team is, they're a giant and I don't know if there's, if there's a, a David to take out this Goliath. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for, in terms of that KD injury, cause I think that that's very crucial to talk about. Look at how many people have gotten hurt this postseason. That injury came at the right time. Yeah. Uh, now I'm not saying that something crazy won't happen moving forward and someone could get hurt game one of the NBA finals. You know, it happened to Kyrie Irving a couple of years ago, but that injury happened at the right time. You know, if it happens any later, it could have bled over into the playoffs. Um, if it happened any sooner, uh, who knows what could have happened. So that injury just seemed to kind of happen in perfect timing. It was kind of the perfect storm for them. All right, guys. Now, do you have anything else to add? No. No. All right, as always, appreciate you guys for checking us out. You can find this uh, podcast on websites such as YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher, uh, SoundCloud. Just set us up in the search engine. Also, check us out on Twitter at BKM underscore cast. Uh, but as always, guys, I appreciate you all for tuning in. Peace out.